Amen. Well, listen, um, I, I know that um, I know that just just as a whole, like just today, there's a lot of people dealing with things. And I'm sure that if if I were to have you to raise your hand, um, if you were stressed, if you were burned out, if you were fatigued, if you're just trying to figure life out and you've kind of been in a slump and maybe some of you guys have, are even struggling with um, depression and with with uh, just heaviness and a sadness um, and there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure in our society. There's so much uh, pressure to perform. There's pressure what we have to do at home and responsibilities and just so many different things end up mounting. And there's so much weight that we carry every single day. Um, but I, I want to I let you know that today, like, you've, you've got another choice. You've got another choice. And today I'm going to start a brand new message series called choices. If you guys could turn with me in your Bibles to um, Isaiah um, chapter 61, and as you're turning in your Bibles to Isaiah 61, I want to give you a little context of the, uh, the, the scripture, the passage that we're covering. Now, the passage that we're covering, it's, it's actually an account where um, God gives um, Isaiah, and Isaiah was a prophet, and um, prophet actually just here means just really simply, it means that, that God would give um, uh, Isaiah different words about what would happen, or he would give him visions about what would happen in the future. And um, this has happened thousands upon thousands of years ago before Jesus was even born. God gave Isaiah a vision of what Jesus would be, not only for the people of the Bible, but what he would be for us today. And here's what he opens up with, Isaiah chapter 61. He's prophesying about Jesus and what he would be to us. And in verse 1 it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Talking about Jesus, that God's Holy Spirit would dwell upon Jesus. And because the Spirit of God dwelled on Jesus, says that he would preach good tidings to the poor. And, and, and has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Listen, I don't know what you may have come in here with today, but I am here to let you know that you don't have to leave the same. God has given his son the, 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 the spirit of God without measure, and the reason why he did that was so that he could comfort all who mourn. I don't know if you may have lost a loved one in previous years or months. Maybe you're struggling at home or struggling in a marriage and you just feel empty. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel alone and you don't feel like anybody understands what you are dealing with. I am here to let you know that the spirit of the Lord God is upon Jesus and Jesus came to die a death for you so that you can be comforted because he knows that you mourn. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I'm letting you know that Jesus, that in Christ, he has all that you need to choose the other option. The, there's one option to say, you know, I'm going to just be anxious all the rest of my life. That I guess I can't do anything about this anxiety. I guess I can't do anything about this depression and this heaviness. Well, I'm here to let you know that you have another option, and this next option is joy. That Christ came so that you could have 
joy. I want to continue to read the text. and It says that he came to console all who mourn in Zion, to give, uh, to give them beauty for ashes. Come on, somebody. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Now watch this. And they, this is talking about you. This is talking about Vibe City Church. This is why we are here. This is what we are called to do. And it says, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. You think your family is ruined, but God is anointing you to rebuild what has been ruined. And then it says that they shall raise up the former desolation. What was desolate in your life will be resurrected in your life if you will grab hold of faith today to say that Jesus can move in my midst. And then it goes and it says that, it says that they'll rebuild, they shall raise the former desolation, and they shall repair the ruined cities. The desolations of many generations. I don't know about you, but far too long am I driving past 35E and I'm seeing desolation. I don't know about you, but when I drive in South Dallas, I see a bunch of desolation. That just a couple blocks up the way, you'll see homeless. You'll see people that are hurting. You'll see people that are lost. You'll see people who are strung out. And it is time for us to be able to believe in a God who has the spirit of God upon him, who will be able to proclaim liberty to the poor. This is why we are doing what we're doing. If I, if I could phrase this in four phrases, we've got four pillars um, and we can see all four pillars um, as our church. And we want people, or we have a desire for you. I know this is your, many of you all first time being with us today, but we've got a desire for you. We want you to know God. We want you to know his love. We want you to know his faithfulness. We want you to know his compassion. We want you to know his word so that you can leave change. It is his word that changes us. So every single week on Sundays, here's what we have. We have passionate worship. We have a friendly environment. I'm sure you got more hugs and handshakes than you anticipated today. Well, that's all on purpose because we know that God loves you, and we're trying our best to love you like he does. And we want you to know God. We want it to be an, an easy experience, an easy uh, chance for you to come to know God. And the next thing that you can experience on Sundays so that you can know God, we're going to go line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm not going to just give a cute poem, and then we're all going to just kind of like feel good about life and feel good about ourselves and go home and we're not changed. No, we are going to teach you the word of God. And then we want you to find freedom. We see this, that Jesus came so that the captives can go free. We want you to find freedom. And how we do that here at Vive is that we have amazing small groups. We started our small groups this past week. If y'all were a part of a small group, can y'all just yell, shout, celebrate what God did in your group this past week? Listen, see, here's the deal. So, so, um, so Jesus uh, tells us plainly, right, like he tells us that, that um, he says to, to confess your faults to one another. And then when we do, we'll be healed. You see, when we come to church, we're forgiven, but you need each other to be healed. 
And healing takes place. Freedom takes place in the context of community. So we have an opportunity for everybody to be able to plug into groups. And when you get plugged into groups, discipleship happens. Come on, accountability happens. You have people that are going to pray for you. You have people that are going to lock arms with you, support you, send you a text message because you were just randomly on their heart and you needed that text message in that moment because you were going through and you felt like nobody knew what you were dealing with, but God knew what you were dealing with. So he began to speak to your community on your behalf and they began to give you a due season word that you needed right there in that space because you was about to go off on that one person that keep trying it on your job. We need each other. And then we want you to discover your purpose. We want you to discover your God-given purpose. We know that you have been called by God to do an amazing thing for his glory. And the only way that we can walk in that is to have somebody be able to open up and share with you that I believe in you. I believe that God has a great call on the inside of you, and I want to journey with you to help you to discover what that is. And so how we do that here at Vive is we have a whole growth track lined up where we actually do a, we actually do a spiritual gifts assessment with you. We actually do a personality test with you, and we couple your God-given unique ability with your spiritual gift, and we empower you to make a difference in your city. Why? Because the last thing that we're called to do is to make a difference. We are not just the church that is going to have shout-me-down parties inside these four walls. No, we are here to affect change in our city. Can you make some noise if you believe that Dallas needs change? Well, this is why we're here, and this is why you are here, and we can see all of this in this text. So listen, when, when the, the text actually says God... Uh, um, the, the, when the text says to proclaim liberty to the captives, well, here's what Jesus actually meant. Because he knew that we would deal with addiction. Come on, man, our secret stuff. He knew that, and everybody got it too. Like, I see people looking down like, oh, my God, like, did God tell him? I, I, listen, I don't know. But all I know is we all were born into sin, and we are all susceptible to messing up. And if we mess up long enough, those mess-ups become addictions and bad habits and dysfunction and toxic relationships. Well, Jesus came to open up your prison doors so that you can be free. Man, I thank God for freedom. Man, I once was blind, but now I see. I was so lost. I was dead in my sins. I was so depressed. I was so ashamed. I should be the last person in this room holding this microphone. But thanks be to God who was rich in mercy, saw fit to love on a guy like me right in the middle of my sin, right in the middle of me being drunk, me in the, right in the middle of me wanting to end my life. Jesus told me three simple words, and I believe that these three simple words are ringing true today. I love you. I love you. And from that moment on, I gave I literally surrendered all my mess to the Lord, and it's been a process because I, I had a lot of mess, and I still have a lot of mess, but God is not done working in me yet, and I know that he's not done working in you yet, and he is wanting to set you free from all of the things that keep getting you bound. There is freedom in Jesus. 
Come on, there is liberty in Jesus. And when the, when the, the scripture actually says that, that Jesus came to give us good tidings, that actually means the gospel or the good news. Jesus came on the scene. He's like, I got good news for you. Y'all want to know what it is? Your sins are forgiven. You see, when he went to the cross at Calvary, before he hung his head to die for our sins, he said that it is finished. And what that phrase means, it means that your sin is finished. Your guilt is finished. Your shame is finished. Your addiction is finished. Your depression is finished. Your anxiety, finished. Finished. Right there at the cross. And his finished work, his perfect work is still able to perfect us on today. So I, I love this because, and then it, it goes and it, it says that, um, uh, it says the day of vengeance. And I want y'all to know that, like, the, don't be scared of this phrase. You should actually celebrate in this phrase. Because the day of vengeance is not for you. It's for the devil. That Jesus came on the scene not to judge the world, but to love the world. But he did come on the scene to condemn or to judge or to bring uh, vengeance on the devil. Why? Because he is he has tried to deceive you too long. He's tried to tell you you are not good enough for too long. He tried to tell you that you will be stuck with this addiction for the rest of your life. Well, the devil is a liar. There is no truth in him. So when he speaks, you need to believe the opposite is true. When he tells you that you'll always be depressed, you'll say, no, 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 no. I got another choice. I choose joy. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring vengeance on the devil. And then I love this. He says that he's going to come and he's going to give us beauty for ashes. What does that mean? He is going to restore all the broken, fragmented pieces of your life and make them beautiful as he always intended them to be. I want you right there in your seat. I want you to really like start evaluating your life. What's broken? What's missing? What's incomplete? What's some of those hurts that you have that are deep-seated? What are some of those wounds that you have not allowed to heal? You put a bandage on them. You put makeup on those insecurities, but they're still there. Well, Jesus came for those. Jesus came for all of those. And today, right here at Vibe City, God is saying, give it to me. Come on, give it to me. I want it all. You see, what you'll learn here at our church is that we're a completely unmasked church. We don't believe in masks. We don't believe in wearing a church place. Oh, God bless you, brother. You ask somebody what they're, how they're doing. Oh, I'm blessed, highly favored of the Lord. I'm empowered to prosper. I'm anointed to win. I'm the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. Check me, right? No, that's not what this church is all about because the reality is um, it, that, that God can't heal what you don't reveal. And so today we desire for healing to take place in your life. That is why Jesus came. Jesus did not come so that we could just sing cute songs about him. No, he came so that he can change our lives. That's why he came. And listen, don't settle for anything short of what God came for. He came to next give you the oil of joy. And I don't know about y'all, but I love cars. Like, I love cars. I like fast cars. I like, I like, I can hear you down the street, big old 
uh, uh, 5.7 liter um, engines. I like Hemi's, right? Like, I like you to hear my truck before I come, right? Like, I want you to hear me a mile down the street before I come. That's, y'all might as well be like, well, let me go ahead and get ready. He about to pick me up. I hear him already. That's the kind of truck I like, right? But check this out, though. Even if you got a V8 engine, even if you got a Hemi engine, it will have problems if it doesn't have oil. And there's a lot of us in this room. See, by design, we are all VA engines. We're able to do so much for God. We're able to do so much for our families. We're able to do so much for our community. But the problem is this. We don't have oil. So our engine is seizing up, and we feel like we don't have anything to offer our kids. Come on, parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Your kid get out of school and they buck wild. And you like, man, I just need you to shut it up and sit down. Anybody ever been there before? Y'all better not leave me with my hand up all by myself. Don't, you, don't judge me in this church. Listen, right? But the reality is this. God gave us the oil of joy. And what does oil do? Oil makes everything run smooth. If your life isn't smooth, you need some oil. If your life is dysfunctional, it's okay. We've all been there. I've been there. Trust me. There's levels to my dysfunction. I get it. We need oil. We need the oil of joy. Joy means gladness. That we should all, no matter what is happening in our lives, we ought to be glad. Why? Because Jesus came to set us free. Jesus took us from being dead to alive. Jesus came so that we can have liberty. And when we spend time in him, we increase our joy. When we spend time with God and we meet him in our prayer room, he fills us with joy. I don't know about y'all, but like as our worship team was lifting up worship to God. And can we give it up for our worship team too? Amazing job. We had a few worshipers out in the audience as well too. And man, I'm just saying, right? They shouted it down as well too. But man, um, as they worshiped, I don't know about y'all, but I just sensed the peace in this room. I don't know, like as we were singing, I ran out of that grave and I'm thinking about how Jesus set me free and I was dead. Like I was good as dead. Like everything in me was completely dead on the inside. Can nobody tell on the outside, but on the inside, I was completely dead. And I encountered the love of Jesus and I ran right out of that grave because I saw that God had a life for me that was better than the life that I was living by myself. I don't know about you guys, but you are more than welcome to run out of that grave today. So God, there's another choice. Like we don't have to stay down. We don't have to stay depressed. We don't have to stay discouraged. We can live with joy. There is an unspeakable joy. What does that mean? Your whole life could be falling apart on the outside, but there's a supernatural joy that wells up on the inside because you got insider information that you are loved by all of heaven, that heaven is behind you, that heaven is endorsing you, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to be what you were. 
And that is enough to have so much joy. And God came so that we can have joy. So here's our focus. Jesus came to give you the oil of joy for your morning. I know, I know there are several people in this building. You, I know about the Holy Spirit. You came in with so much heaviness, so much bitterness. It's like you toxic just on the inside. It's not because of a decision that you just on purpose made. It's because life has happened to you. But Jesus came to die for the calamities of life. This is why he's here. This is what he's called to do. He's called to set you free. But check this out, though. And then he came to give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Well, here's what we all need to know. Heaviness isn't always circumstantial, but it's always spiritual. Heaviness isn't always circumstantial, but it is always spiritual. Now listen, I know like there's so much um, happening today with just anxiety seems to be running rampant. Um, depression seems to be running rampant. Um, suicidal thoughts um, tend to be running rampant in our generation today. I'm here to let you know that the option that we haven't tapped into is joy. Because Jesus gave us joy to deal with the enemy. Jesus gave us joy to deal with our deepest, darkest depressions. Jesus came so that he can oil us with his joy. It's not even your joy. And I ain't talking about that fake joy where you walk around, God bless you, brother. Oh, I'm blessed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a legit joy, like a gladness that wells up on the inside of you like a, like a spring, and you just can't, you can't contain it. You can't control it. That's why scripture calls it an unspeakable joy, because it don't make no sense why you have joy. You see, happiness is fleeting, but joy is eternal. Happiness comes and goes, but joy is eternal. And God wants us to have joy today. God wants us to have the oil of gladness today. So here, here's, here's what I, I want to focus. I want to I shift a little bit. Um, one of my favorite Bible characters is the Apostle Paul. Can y'all wave at me if y'all know Paul? I just want to kind of gaze the room. All right. So the Apostle Paul is responsible for writing 13 books of the New Testament. Um, he's an amazing man of God. He, he had so many accomplishments. But the reality about Paul's life is if we look at his life, he really didn't have a whole lot to be happy about. You see, Paul was shipwrecked. Like, I ain't talking about like in like, uh, like Joe Pool Lake or like White Rock Lake. Like, no. Like, Paul was shipwrecked in the Mediterranean Sea in the middle of a nor'easter. Or, or we could say a tsunami. Like, this is, he was legit at sea and this storm happened and he is shipwrecked. And he's literally bobbing up and down because the ship is completely capsized, it's destroyed. And he's literally bouncing on the, in the Mediterranean Sea for a day and a half. But he still chose joy. And then when he finally made it to land, he made it to a, a little island. And when he made it to this little island, guess what happened to him? He got bit by a poisonous snake. But he still chose joy. 
And then Paul, Paul wrote these 13 letters to these churches. He was a church planner. And he, was, he believed in the church, that, that the church was the hope of the world, so he kept planting more churches. And then he would write letters to these churches. But most of the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote them from a prison cell chain to a Roman soldier. Why? Because he was doing God's will. Sometimes you can be in the middle of God's will, but in the middle of a mess. Your messy situation should not define you. You should define your messy situation. You know, a lot of times we end up praying these prayers, Lord, get me out of this. But the reality is God doesn't always get us right out of it, does he? No, he doesn't. So our prayer, we need to shift our focus and our prayer needs to become, Lord, instead of me praying to, that you get me out of this, Lord, may I get everything that I can out of this. And I'm going to choose joy. Paul kept choosing joy. Those 39 lashes that Jesus took before he went to the cross, Paul got them five different times. He got beaten for his faith five different times. 39 lashes. They would take this like long wooden stick, real smooth, and they would smack you in the back of your legs. They would smack you in your back. They would smack you in your ribs. They would smack you across your stomach. 39 times, and he took them five different times. He was literally stoned to death. But he still chose joy. I don't know about you, but, man, like, I got it a whole lot easier than Paul. I know I got mess. I know I got some stuff going on. But if Paul could choose joy, I should choose joy. And Paul wrote about us having joy while he was in prison for something that, for something that, that was right. And so I'm here to let you all know, even when your life is going wrong, the right choice is always joy. It's always joy. That, that is the key to us walking away from our depression. That is the key to us walking away from our anxiety. And I'm going to get on that a little bit later in this, this topic. But I want to share this with you guys. In light of all that Paul went through, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul actually says, sorrowful. Yet always rejoicing. Come on, that needs to be our mentality. I'm sorrowful. I got so much misery happening in my life right now, but I'm, but I'm still joyful. I still choose to rejoice because my God is the hope of my salvation. My God, listen, your problem is not the measuring rod of God's goodness. God's goodness is the measuring rod of his goodness, even when your life ain't good. He is good, independent from your situation. He is good, independent from your, your problems that you're having. He is always good. So listen, I want to, over the next four weeks, if y'all allow me to, and I would love for you guys to plug in the next four weeks, I guarantee you if you do, your life will drastically change. And over the next four weeks, I want to give you four choices. Today's choice, if you're going to choose joy, you got to choose to pray first. Pray first. Come on, pray first. Don't act first. Pray first. Don't act first. Pray first. Come on, after you get that bad, nasty email from your, your, your coworker, before you send the clap back email, I need you to pray first. Come on, somebody. I just saved somebody's job right there. Pray first. Right? Listen, before you, you post, pray first. Come on. Come on, we can turn up, pray first. Like, I need you to pray 
first. Look, before, before you respond to your kids' disobedience, pray first. I'm preaching, I felt that one for me. Like that, that, one, that one wasn't even in my notes, that was for me. That was the Holy Ghost right there. Right, like pray first. Look, before you get into a relationship, pray first. Oh, Jesus. Wow, I didn't come to church for that, Pastor. Listen, pray first. Because what you don't know about Bay today, God will reveal to you today that Bay was actually cray. Like, he will reveal it to you before you find out the hard way. Because, yeah, everybody not worth your time. And queens don't mess with peasants. Jesus, somebody, amen. Dang. Right? Y'all felt that? <laughs> Listen, pray first. Listen, here's, here's what I, where I want to go. I want to go to Philippians. The, the last few moments that I have, I want to go to Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to pick up at verse 4. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. That is how you maintain joy. Spend your time in the Lord. Spend your time reading about God, reading about his word. Spend time worshiping. I guarantee you, look, this is what we need to do. And um, no shade to anybody. I know we're still trying to find our location and everything like that. But don't miss praise. You see, like, I, it's... People are like, oh, I'm all about the worship. I'm all about the worship. That's amazing. But the scriptures actually says to come into my courts with praise. We come to church before we do anything else. We tell God how good he is. We tell God what he has done. And listen, this is not for God. He already knows. This is for us collectively. Listen, like when I, when I hear a brother testifying about God's goodness in his life or I hear a sister testifying about God's goodness in her life, it is encouraging me and it's bringing joy, more joy to me because I know that if God did it for her, God could do it for me. And when we gather and when we praise all together collectively and we lift up how good God is, we are reminding ourselves that God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. God's praise is not for him it's for us it's for us don't miss praise so next week 10 o'clock be here I need you to bring some oil with you because chances are I'm gonna need it I need your supply of spirit and you need my supply of spirit and we gonna get through this together huh all right so look he says always be full of joy always always be full of joy and then look so look, here's, here's, here's what I need us to know about prayer. I'm going to give you all three things about prayer. That what happens when we choose prayer? First thing is that prayer replaces worry. Prayer, prayer replaces worry. I don't know about you guys, but like there's so many times, sometimes I'm driven to spend time with God, you know, just because like I want the fellowship, I want community with him. I want, I, want to, I want him to know how much I love him. I want him to know how much I appreciate him, right? Like, that, that's amazing time, but can I be honest with y'all? I, I get into my prayer closets when I'm in trouble. Like, I, I get into my prayer closet when I'm worried. I'm worrying about my daughter, right? Like, she started kindergarten, right? And, like, like the teacher, like, reported back that, like, uh, like uh, my daughter was kind of getting, like, like, real, like, friendly with another boy. And I'm like, oh, my God. I wasn't ready. 
And I'm like so anxious. I'm so like worried about so many different things. I worry about you guys. I worry about our church sometimes. I worry about like, man, like, are we really going to be able to do this big vision that God has given us? And every time I worry, it draws me to pray. Like it drives me to pray. And when I do, every single time, my worry is replaced with faith. So listen, prayer replaces worry. I like verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Then it says, tell God. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about any need. And thank him for what he has done. I want to give you a, a simple definition for worry. Worry actually means to, to strangle. It means, it means to strangle. Men, I, I know that you all can probably relate to this, but there's nothing more, um, more weighty than carrying the, the burden of leading your family. And, and can I just be honest? And again, like we're a transparent church, and I'm going to try my best to lead in a transparent way. But like this is, this is what's leading my wife and trying to things that I've ever encountered. First, it was leading my wife and trying to lead in a, a gracious way, trying to lead in a, a God-fearing way, and trying to make sure that I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to provide for her. Come on, everybody. Like, God, listen, when you hook up with a guy, like, he ought to be able to provide some stuff for you, right? Like, he should be able to take care of his, his responsibilities. But it's not just me anymore. It's my wife. And then we have a, a, a kid, and we got to have a baby, and we're moving across country from from Florida to Dallas, and I'm like, I've never done this before, God, but I'm trying to follow you, but man, like, my bank account ain't been this low, God, like, what are we doing? But every single time, like, and, and, and it, it kind of, the weight of it kind of feels like I'm choking sometimes. I feel like I can't breathe sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you dealing with a pressure. Like, I ain't talking about nothing like, like, like light. I'm talking about, like, you dealing with something. You're dealing with so much weight as a man, as a woman, as a mom, as a dad, as a human being, and you're trying to function. You're trying to manage, how am I going to get through this? And it ain't nothing like financial pressure. And it feel like you can't breathe. What, what the Word of God actually says, don't worry about anything. So what that lets us know is worry and anxiety is a choice, just like joy. Come on, church. It's a choice. And so God is like, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So I want you guys to know that worry has its origins in what might happen tomorrow. Worry has its origins in what might happen tomorrow. Worrying every time, look, anxiety, all of it is all about what might happen tomorrow or the next day or next year. I don't know what to expect. If I make this choice, what will happen next? And, and we get anxious and we get, we get so consumed with worry. Anxiety has its origins in what might happen tomorrow. I want you guys to know about something. When you worry, worry is having faith that the devil will move. Faith in God or having faith. Or have, having faith is, is having an expectation that God will move. So every time we get worried, every time we get anxious, you're actually in fear that the devil will move. That something bad will happen. 
But God is like, hold on, wait a minute. Last time I checked, I told you don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own worries and problems. I told you that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I wish somebody would stand up and have a right now kind of faith that God is going to come through in my situation. God is going to come through in my circumstance. He's going to come through for my family. I have faith that he is going to do what he said he was going to do. We got to have faith. We got to have faith. So listen. Here's my second thing. I got a lot more on that, but I got to keep rolling. So number two, prayer relinquishes control. Prayer relinquishes control. That that word where it says pray about everything, that phrase, and to, to tell God what you need, those phrases literally mean to lay your needs down before God. To lay your need to lay your anxiety, to lay your worry down before God. So listen, I want to I want to I want to like kind of share this with y'all. Some of y'all ain't praying long enough. And I I ain't saying like you got to have a set time. This is not legalistic. But the reason why I say that is because if you leave the presence of God, here's what's happening. Okay, God, take take what I need. Here you go. And then as soon as we leave, we like, uh, you know what, God, I know you're busy. Let me just take that back. I got that part, though. Okay? And then we end up stressed out, worried, and anxious again. But God is like, bring it to me. Like, bring it all to me. Bring me that thing that you, that keeps you up at night. Bring me that thing that causes you to wake up in that cold sweat. Bring me that thing that you just cannot, your mind always races. As soon as you lay down and your head hits the pillow, your mind is racing and you're trying to sleep. Bring me that thing. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Like God is saying, like, give it to me. Like, listen, um, uh, so the, 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 the scripture here is we've got to lay it all down before God. And, and listen, it cannot be God's problem and yours at the same time. How do you know that you've laid it all down when you don't worry and you're not anxious? If you're still worrying, you're still anxious, you're still carrying something that you were never meant to carry. Listen. And then I love the, the, the next part of the verse. It says, and thank him for what he has done. So we pray. We're going to relinquish control. And when we do, you need to thank God for what he has already done. Look, I'm going to share something with y'all. Look, if you can't praise God for what he has done in the past, you will lack faith for what he needs to do in your future. If you cannot praise God for what he has done in the past, you will lack faith for what you need him to do in your future. The word think is an old, it has an, its origins in an old English word, think. So in order to be thankful, you've got to be thoughtful. So you need to slow down and you actually need to think about the goodness of God. And when you think about the goodness of God, it's going to build your faith up. And you're going to be like, you know what? If God got me through that, God can get me through this. If God was faithful to me yesterday, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will always come through for me. But you got to think about. 
the goodness of God. You've got to think about, you've got to think about how he has come through for you. And then listen, let's look at number three. Number three is prayer fixes my focus. Prayer fixes my focus. I don't know about you guys, but I know, I know like, like for me, my mind, if I, I might have 99 things going amazing. But that one, that, but that one, that one area, man, if, if that one area, if I could just, I know, I know, I know God been good, but man, this one area. Like, it's really, like, challenging me, this one area, and it could be a big area, but, man, I wish I could change. God, if you could, could just come through for this one area. But what about this, though? What if, if the only time you pray is in a problem, why would God ever take away the problem? we got to fix our focus. Look, we've got to change our thought pattern. Stop looking at the negative in your life and look at the positive in your life. I guarantee you God has been good. You might be saying, yeah, Pastor, but you don't know what I'm going to face when I go home. Yeah, but you got a home. We got to fix our focus. Yeah, but, but Pastor, you don't understand. Like, my wife beat you. Yeah, but you got a wife. I ain't get no amens on that. I'm going to keep going. Um, dang. I'm going to say amen for you. Amen. I don't know where my baby at. Amen. Let's try to get some points later. Amen. Girl, you good, girl. I love you, girl. Beautiful and all that. So, like, look, we, we, gotta, we have to fix our focus. Stop thinking about all the bad things and look at the good. Listen, the, the, the scripture says, says this. Um, uh, man, y'all, if y'all read down, I can't even remember what actual verse it is in the chapter. But it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. You got more mind control than what you give yourself credit for. God keeps telling you, fix your thoughts. Stop thinking about the bad. Stop thinking about the negative. Fix your thoughts. Look, this is, I want this, I want y'all to wake up with this first thing tomorrow morning. I want you to hear my voice. Fix your focus. Fix your focus. Stop focusing on who left you and think about who is still with you. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts, church. Fix your thoughts. Love this. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your focus from worry to worship. Come on, fix your focus from pain to things that are worthy of praise. Fix your focus. And as we, as we choose joy and when we choose to pray, we are going to replace our worry. Come on, I want to challenge everybody in the room. Like, I want you to pray first. I want you to pray first. Choose prayer Choose, listen, when you, you are worried, when you are anxious and you got a lot happening in your life, choose prayer. Pray first. If you are worried, you need to take a 15-minute break on your job. Go to your car. Turn it on because it's hot in Dallas, and I need you to pray first. Pray first. And then after we, after we do that, then we'll realize 
that we've got to relinquish control, don't we? And I, I, look, I know it. You ain't even got to raise your hand. I know you're a control freak. You are. You are. I see it in your eyes. You are. Because real recognize real. I'm a control freak too. But we've got to relinquish control. We've got to say, here it is, God. Like, here's all of it. Here is all my mess, God. Here is all my drama. Like, here is all my stress. Here is all my strain. Here is all my pain. Here it is, God. Like, take it. I don't want it. I know that I'm not equipped to deal with it. I love what 1 Peter says. That it actually says to throw our anxiety on him. Cast it on him. Throw it on him. Why? Because he cares for you more than you care for yourself. And then after we've done this, we've got to fix our focus. So after you've laid it down, you can't focus on what you laid down. you got to focus on God bringing you up. Focus on the good. Focus on what God desires to do in your life. 